This audio is brought to you by MuslimCentral.com. We want to welcome you all back, inshallah ta'ala, after your Eid break. And we pray that you had a blessed Eid, that you had some time to refresh after uh, your Ramadan ibadah. May Allah Azza accept all of your ibadah, all of your recitation, your Sliyam, your Qiyam, everything that you put forward this Ramadan. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow the good that you gain from this Ramadan to continue forward. And alhamdulillah, one of the things that we gained in Ramadan was really an online community. And uh, it was beautiful to see the same names popping up uh, every night. And the people that were joining Quran 30 for 30, mashallah, we had 10 people accept Islam, uh, mainly through the Quran 30 for 30 comments, ended up taking shahada over Zoom. So we welcomed them to our community as well, alhamdulillah. And uh, I think everyone got a chance to meet uh, so many members of the Yaqeen team, alhamd. And we're here now to pick up where we left off, inshallah ta'ala. So uh, by all means, as we talk about the post-Ramadan blues tonight, um, we're excited to announce our Keeping Connected with the Qur'an program that's going to start, inshallah ta'ala, this coming Monday. And every Monday through Friday, there's going to be a different program, a live program, inshallah ta'ala, that deals with one element of the Qur'an. We'll have a program on the parables of the Qur'an, uh, themes in the Qur'an, uh, we will have a program on verses of healing in the Qur'an, uh, 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 program on some reflections on the Qur'an. And I know I'm missing one. I'm not sure which one I'm missing. Maybe one of y'all can help me. Miracles. Themes, parables. Parables was the first one, I thought. Yeah, right, miracles. Yeah. Miracles. <laughs> Alhamdulillah. So we'll have parables, themes, miracles, reflections, and verses of healing, inshallah. So every night, Monday through Friday, inshallah, ta'ala, we're going to have a special live program. And we hope that the night, ta'ala, we can continue that online community and that Ramadan spirit that we had, inshallah, and really emphasize keeping connected with the Qur'an. That was the theme of this Ramadan with everyone at home. Uh, there was a great emphasis on connecting with the Qur'an, even more so than what we usually see, and that's because everyone was reciting on their own. We didn't have the imams leading us in tarawih. We were doing it ourselves. And so that's why we want to make sure we maintain that connection with the Nahi Ta'ala uh, going forward. With that being said, inshallah ta'ala, we have our esteemed panel today, alhamdulillah, uh, that are going to be sharing with us their number one tip for how to avoid or how to overcome the post-Ramadan blues, inshallah. So the way this is going to work is that everyone's going to have one tip that they're going to share, and I'm going to ask everyone to chime in, inshallah ta'ala, and share a little bit uh, from their perspective on what was mentioned, and then we'll go to the next tip, and in total we'll have five, inshallah ta'ala and uh, hopefully end off with a beneficial discussion then as well. So I'm going to start, inshallah ta'ala, with Dr. Uthman Omarji, inshallah ta'ala. Can you share with us your tip for how to overcome the post-Ramadan blues? Jazakum khair. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Bismillah wa salatu wa salam ala rasulullah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi man wala. So my tip is uh, continuing our journey to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through having a regular engagement with the post-Ramadan. And I want to begin with this uh, analogy that I, I think a lot about, um, and it's that, subhanAllah, there's things that are of really, really high quality, require high quality um, fuel to make them function. So when I think about like a high-end sports car, you have to put premium fuel into it. And if you put anything else into it, it's going to mess up its engine. And so I think about that as it pertains to how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made us the premium creatures in this life. And he has made the Qur'an the premium fuel for our hearts. 
And Allah says in the Quran, Allah says that, and we have revealed from the Quran that which is a cure and a mercy for the believers. And so when I think about this last month of Ramadan and, and what makes it so special, and what makes Ramadan so special is that it's a month of intense immersion for the Quran. It is a boot camp of Quran. We are reciting it by the day. We're, 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 from the Mus'haf, we're standing before Allah in prayer at night. And the whole month is revolving around the Quran. So what I found amazing was this, uh, alhamdulillah, we had 3,000 people who responded recently to our survey about how Ramadan went. And three out of four people said they read more Quran this year than they read previously. And similarly, three out of four people said this was a better Ramadan than it was last year. So it seems to be that, at least correlationally, people who read more Quran are having better Ramadans. And what we also find is that regularly leading the Quran has been associated with so many amazing outcomes. And I think this is part of the post-Ramadan blues. People are in a spiritual high in Ramadan because they're engaged with the Quran. And then at, once they leave the Quran, you're going to be, they're going to lose those benefits. So people who regularly read the Quran, they have better mental health, less anxiety, less nervousness. They're more relaxed. We have found that they have better marriages and relationship with their spouses. And they're actually more grateful to Allah and they see more blessings in the world. And so there's a verse in Surah Taha that makes me think about this where Allah says, Taha ma anzalna al-Qur'ana That, subhanAllah, Allah says that we have not revealed the Qur'an to cause you distress. And so the opposite of that is that we have revealed this Qur'an to cause you to be in a state of peace and a state of comfort. And this is really why Ramadan is such an amazing time for Muslims worldwide because it is a time of peace and comfort because we're inundated with the Quran in our life. So my post-Ramadan tip is to feed yourself a daily diet of Quran. And I mean a daily diet. And that means continuing with that energy. If every single day begin with one verse only, just read one verse to build a habit for 30 days. And if you can build that habit for 30 days of one verse, then you can move up to five verses a day or 10 verses a day like that. But start with one. And I'm reminded by the story of Umar Abdul Aziz, the great uh, Khalifa and great grandson of Umar bin Khattab, something profound that he had said. And he had said that um, a day of his life would not go by that he did not engage with the Quran. And he said there'd be days that his eyes were so tired that his eyes would be watering and blurry that he actually could not actually make out the words of, on the Mus'haf, on the Quran. But he would still open the Quran, stare at it for a moment, and then close it. And the point is that he did not want to let one day of his life go, that his eyes did not meet the words of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this month of Ramadan, you know, we had 30 for 30, you know, 30 days of Quran for 30 minutes. I want everyone to have 365 Quran. Right? May Allah make us amongst those capable of doing that. So that's on the recitation side of it. Build that reading habit with a verse a day. On the content side, like Sheikh Omar, you mentioned, Alhamdulillah, Yaqeen is facilitating five days a week of programming every single day. So pick one, two, three, four, or five, and immerse yourself in the study of Qur'an in a, from that sense. And I'll close with one hadith of the Prophet Muhammad where he said that it will be said to the companion of the Qur'an on the Day of Judgment, recite and ascend as you recited in this dunya, in this life. For verily your rank in the akhirah will be determined by the very last verse you recited. So I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give us that strength to continue to engage with the Qur'an regularly outside of Ramadan so that we may achieve that spiritual blessing, uh, the physical health, the better marriages, the better mental health, uh, more gratitude, all the benefits of the Qur'an, we may benefit from them 365 days a year. Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen.
Jazakumullah khair. SubhanAllah, the beginning of Surah Taha, Ma anzalna alayka al-Qur'an li tashqa, at the end, وَمَنْ أَعْرَضَ عَنْ ذِكْرِ فَإِنَّ لَهُ مَعِيشَةً ضَنْكَ That whoever turns away from this reminder will have a constricted life. So there's a direct correlation there. Anyone want to chime in, inshallah? I actually just wanted to comment on, on the last um, part that you mentioned in terms of reciting Qur'an and that being a means of raising your rank because, subhanAllah, every time I think of that and as I'm reading Qur'an, I actually try to visually imagine that. Like, how does that look? So as I, as I read ayah by ayah, I, I imagine myself sort of just going, you know, having that noise in my head, like ding, 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 as just as on, on our video games, arcade, whatever, you hear those noises as you're, you're, you're increasing in levels. I just, I, I, physic, I, I visualize myself physically rising level by level. And it's honestly so incredibly motivating when you do that. So if that helps, I recommend people just as you, even if you want to go start with the, the, the chapters with shorter verses uh, and, and raise your rank higher, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is of the most merciful and it could be just two letters of an ayah and he will still raise you ranks about ranks. Uh, so it's, it's really satisfying just thinking as you read, just going higher and higher and higher. Anyone else want to chime in on that? Yeah, if I could chime in for a second. Um, you know, when I tell like converts sometimes and people that are trying to make a change in their life and, you know, you know, you, you know, before becoming Muslim, it was New Year's resolution. But then now, you know, mashallah and Ramadan, it's kind of like the Ramadan resolution, right? That's going to be a beginning for something. I just say, look, go in the index of your, of your Quran and look at a subject that interests you, right? And then just go to that page. So if you see Yusuf and then it has a number of different pages, just opening the book and making that effort and going from that, you know, mawdu'i, a subject matter. If that's something that will help you in opening the book, then do so. So, so what I tell people sometimes is, you know, when starting that relationship with the Quran, just go in the index and then see a subject that interests you and then start there. May Allah bless you. Sister Najwa, would you like to share anything on that? Should we move on, inshallah, to the next step? I love the idea of um, connecting with the Quran every day, even if you're not physically able to read it. I feel like it makes such a big impact on um, on that relationship that we have with the Quran or, or with Allah. And I, and I a lot of us get busy and we're not able to read as much as we can, but just hearing that reminder, that beautiful reminder of that, you know, even just looking at it and feeling like you you physically connected with the Mus'haq, even if you didn't read anything. Um, I think that's something that everybody could just take away and it's motivational because it's such a small thing that we can do and just takes a couple seconds. I think, I mean, what, what, what speaks to this is that engaging the Quran in the most wholesome sense possible allows you to enjoy it in the most specific sense possible. Like there's no way that you're not going to enjoy your tajweed more if you're learning tafsir or if you're listening to this reflection on the surah, it'll make memorization of that surah so much easier. SubhanAllah, so the holistic engagement of the Quran makes every specific engagement with it so sweet and every verse is worth it, right? So uh, if the Prophet said that the space of one whip and al-Jannah is greater than the entire world and everything that's within it, then every degree matters, every space matters as we elevate ourselves. So inshallah ta'ala, with that, Ustaz uh, al-Tasneem, will you share your tip with us, inshallah? Yes. So, assalamu alaikum, everyone. Uh, excited to be back with you guys. And the, the tip that I have is pretty simple and straightforward. But when it comes to Ramadan and it comes to that feeling of like excitement and motivation, what... What it really is, beyond, of course, the blessing, the barakah that comes with the month and, and all of the extra good deeds that are just everything is doubled and 
all of that. What really is so exciting about that month is the fact that you have these new goals in place, right? You're telling yourself, I'm going to read a certain amount of Quran. I'm going to pray a certain number of rukas every night. That I'm going to do certain things in my day that are going to be different. And that's what makes the month special. And so because throughout the month, you're constantly pushing yourself to do different things. You're constantly pushing yourself to create habits that you want to keep after the month, but you're also doing things that no, you're, it's not going to happen throughout the month, but you're taking advantage of that blessing of that month. And that's okay. That you're reading, you know, you're spending all night reading and praying just because you know Allah is, is promising you a, a reward you can't even imagine. So we push ourselves to a degree that we, we can't even do consistently throughout the year, but we also create goals that we can carry on, inshallah, after Ramadan. So you've got all of these different types of challenges, right? Challenges unique to the month and the challenges that you want to set for yourself you know, for the long run. And so what really is so great about Ramadan is that you're, you're just doing things that you, you know, you know that you won't do most of the year or you want to do something new. So that fortunately is something that we can always do that every month is an opportunity to set new goals, to set new challenges for yourself and to hold yourself accountable, to push yourself to those goals. So think about, you know, think about what it was in Ramadan. What were those things that you were doing in Ramadan that were particularly, you know, inspiring that were really those those acts of worship that were so rejuvenating because now as you're trying to look at sort of this holistic approach to change and to continuity and consistency you can start off with that one thing that you really loved and enjoyed there's some acts of worship that we enjoy but are difficult for us are challenging i'll be honest fasting is one of the hardest acts of worship for me uh, and I really, really struggle with it. So for me, I'm thinking, Shawal, what, you know, what do I really want to push myself to? Well, I personally love, you know, uh, reading Quran. Or I love reviewing. I love reading about you know, the, the commentary of Quran, something like that, right? And so I'm going to set a goal that's going to challenge me. It's going to push me to my limits this month, just as I push myself in Ramadan for that one specific, you know, act of worship that I particularly enjoy. If there's multiple acts, think of smaller, consistent acts that you can do throughout the month. But really think about those those um, those goals that you set and try to imitate them, try to recreate them. You know, whether you want to do it for the year, you want to do it month by month, week by week, set goals to keep pushing yourself and challenging yourself. Now, for those of you who are like, well, I have no idea what my goals are, my challenges are. Don't worry, we've got that problem solved for you, inshallah. What we're going to be releasing early next week, inshallah, is a weekly checklist. So if there are certain acts of worship you're not quite sure you want to focus on, if there are certain things you want to be doing, but you're, you don't know how hard to push yourself, what we're going to be providing with you with is a weekly checklist of different things you can do to engage with content that will boost, inshallah, your iman in regard to the Quran. It will, uh, it will uh, increase your, you know, your intellectual understanding of this religion. And inshallah, will, will also strengthen your relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala just as you were doing in Ramadan. And so we'll have different activities that you can do, different reminders, different videos you can watch, uh, and things to really keep yourself engaged spiritually, and also activities that you can do with others. And that's also very important because this is an opportunity for you to Find a friend, find a family member, challenge them. Hey, listen, I'm doing this weekly checklist. I set these certain goals for myself this month. How about you join me? Let's compete. Let's set points for different types of activities. And that's really, really fun and inspiring when, you know, you can check in on your friend, especially when it comes to like fasting the six days of Shawwal for those who can do it. 
having someone around you, just texting them, hey, you know, what are you making for a vlog tonight? Let's break our fast over Skype, Zoom, whatever it is. Uh, it really makes a difference in terms of keeping up with that morale. Because of course, in Ramadan, yes, you know, we're motivated. There's there's a lot of blessing in the month. But one big perk of Ramadan uh, is knowing that we're all fasting. We're all in it together. We're all super thirsty and hungry and that we're all going to be breaking our fast together. So try to recreate that sense of, of community, of togetherness in trying to meet those goals and challenges, inshallah. Anyone want to add to that, John? You know, I, I think as you were speaking about that, subhanAllah, this idea, it's not a set equation for people. You know, I was, I was uh, thinking about it the other day because we love to make these mathematical equations. So it's like, you know, if you've got um, six days of shawal, then that means that there's some divine equation of five times, you know, or one-fifth of your ibadah or something like that. Uh, it doesn't work that way, right? So for some people, uh, taking from the start, right, half of my Qur'an reading in Shawwal is what I'm, you know, half of the, the Qur'an that I read in Ramadan, I'm going to read in Shawwal, for example, or even a fourth. It's going to be different both in terms of the quantity of the proportion as well as in terms of the nature of their ibadah, right? And I think there's something to be said. I don't know how you all feel about this, but but switching it up sometimes is important, not necessarily doing the exact same ibadah. The hadith of the Prophet that sometimes faith can wear out in the chest the way that a garment would wear out. And, and part of that is tajdeed al-iman of renewing faith, is sometimes doing different things to uh, to move the to, to, to move your faith, to uh, ignite something inside of you. So sometimes diversifying is good. So I'm not sure how, how you all feel about, you know, carrying the goals or sometimes even switching the goals, setting entirely different goals for Shawwal. I agree, Sheikh Omar. I mean, I, I, I like this idea of um, having goals that are time-bounded. So do something for like a couple weeks and then you can always switch it up. I, I think it's easy to burn out if you're just doing the same goal and you just have to maintain it forever. So, and Allah made us different. I mean, certain people have, you know, their... They, they like to focus on one thing and get really deep and become the master of it. Some like to dabble into a whole bunch of different things and be competent in 10 things. And, and that's just uh, Allah gives what he wills to his servants. So. Anyone else uh, like to chime in on that? Yeah, I think when, you know, she mentioning the goals and then having um, that which facilitates, uh, you know, just taking the time to kind of look at the end of the tunnel, you know, each, each person individually and then seeing what do they want to see before the next Ramadan, like in Sha'ban, the month right before Ramadan, what do they wish to see themselves? Like if they were to dream and just close their eyes and say, okay, I want to see myself doing this, right? And then that's just a one realistic goal for them. Just one goal um, that may help just kind of visualize what you want to see by Sha'ban of next year. Yeah, subhanAllah, the value of that one ibadah that you can carry, like witib. You know, if you just if you're just carrying witib, subhanAllah, I wanna be I wanna be praying with it, right? I think that's powerful. So Shaykh Abdullah while it's with you, inshaAllah, my esteemed co host from Quran thirty for thirty. I know everyone <laughs> missed you and wants to hear from you, inshaAllah. <laughs> so what's your what's your tip for us, inshaAllah? Um, bismillah. Uh really it's just a, it's kind of it kind of correlates with what everyone else is saying. Um the main thing that I really want to, you know, uh, take home and I'll expound upon it is uh, transformation over motivation. Uh, you know, a lot of times we look to be motivated and sometimes we use the excuse to say, well, I'm not motivated. 
we should not look for motivation. We should look for motivation to be a catalyst for transformation. You know, motivation is just the beginning because what happens is when we look for motivation a week after Ramadan, a year after becoming Muslim, a year after, you know, a couple of weeks after just starting to pray, you will say to yourself, and it can be from shaitan at times, well, I'm just not motivated. No, it's let's look for transformation. And transformation is that change that is needed. And change, you know, we as human beings, we do not welcome change naturally. I mean, when we look at the prophets, they called for change in their connection with the creator. So it's really looking to transform in one thing, as Sheikh Omar mentioned, Witr, and using the means as Sheikh, uh, as, as Sheikha Tasni mentioned, uh, you know, uh, you know, Yaqeen providing a platform or providing a means for transformation. So some people may need a schedule. Some people, you know, in my garage, in my little gym, I have whiteboards, not one, but a number of them. And just, just letting my brain get free and then making sure that, you know, I can organize it bidni ta'ala. So whatever means that you use, make sure that it's leading towards transforming yourself, you 2.0, the better version of yourself. You know, a lot of these taglines that we hear, but make sure that whatever you're inspired by at the moment, it leads to something and that something is being trans- transformed in whatever little aspect of life. And I think that's really, really important because we as human beings love to be inspired, but let's make sure that it leads to something that is long lasting, inshallah, and that will help change us as human beings. You know, the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, when we're talking about the Quran now, uh, he mentions in a hadith in, in, in Sahih Muslim, he says, Ta'ahadu bil Quran. He says, recite and keep, you know, your, your ahad, your, your connection with the Quran. Said, he said, I swear by whose Muhammad's soul is in, being Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he swears by Allah that verily it will leave ashaddu tafallutan. And he said, this is the most severest form of leaving or escaping someone than the camel from its uqaliha, from its, 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 what it's tied to. Because the camel, if you don't monitor it, it will leave and, and run away unless you have that uqal, that, that, that element that will prohibit it from escaping from you. And the Quran is in that fashion. If you, you know, they say, if you don't use it, you lose it. If you don't ultimately act upon it, that's with the tawfiq from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to assist in your memorization, preservation, which leads to transformation, right? So making sure that you're honest with yourself you look at yourself and like Sister Tessanim said, you know, like for her, you know, fasting was a trial for her. What's a trial for you? Be realistic with that. Don't look at someone else and know what you're capable of doing and do as a Prophet said in another form of advice. Uh, you know, he said, oh, Hadith Muslim. He said, you know, the strong Muslim is more is more virtuous than the weak, the weaker Muslim, and both of them are good. Both of them are khair. And then he said, you know, he said, be busy, busy yourself with that which is beneficial for you. Seek help in Allah and do not give up. Do not give up. Just as Sheikh, you know, uh, uh, Mr. Omarji was mentioning that you know, you, you take something, whether it's an ayah a day, you know, do something that you know you can handle 
and be consistent with that. Well, the Prophet, as we know within our Deed to Habit series, you know, even though a lot of these programs we are doing, you know, I remember Sheikh Omar, he gave me a text one time. He's like, make sure you, you're a little more general with your message. Why? Because these mess, this message should be timeless. Ramadan is just a catalyst for a new beginning, for a new habit. So going back to the deeds to habits, you know, which is which paramount coming from the Hadith of the Prophet uh, the most beloved actions to Allah are those that are consistent, even if they were a little bit. So looking at our deeds to habits, 30 for 30 can be 30 for 30 every month, right? Whether it's 29 or 30 days, it's, it's, it's irrelevant, right? We, we go back to those verses in the Quran and we say to ourselves, okay, I'm going to listen for 30 for 30 from Asr, you know, till Maghrib. And then looking at my schedule that they gave me, I'm going to, you know, this year try to be committed to Witr. And 30 for 30, when I sit with my child, when I sit with a friend of mine, I'm going to call them on the phone. We're just going to talk, mention some benefits from that. But something that is consistent, and then I'll end with the beautiful verse. You know, also Prophet Allah mentions in the chapter of Taha, uh, where he tells the Prophet, "What more after Allah bin Ashtanajin? What more bisalati alayha?" It's a beautiful verse. It always reminds me because, you know, I remember when when I embraced Islam, Subhanallah, I was told that I had to pray, and me being human, you know, I said to myself, "Okay, I got to pray, but is that for the rest of my life?" So you have to pray five times a day for the rest of your life. Like, wow, the rest of my life, I have to pray five times a day. In the beginning, it sounds stressful. It sounds like it can be like, am I really going to be able to do that? But we shouldn't look at it as a challenge. Let's change that word to an opportunity. If we look at it as an opportunity and we're, we, we, we try our best to reflect on ourselves and our abilities and we ask Allah to help us in this journey of life, we look at it as an opportunity to be better. And that's what we should strive to do, to transform. So inshallah, that's what I really want to capitalize on. Take this time to reflect one part of your day and look at yourself. And then, you know, making that goal, as Sister Tasneem mentioned, using what was, which was in the materials of Yaqeen that will be coming out, looking at the materials such as 30 for 30, deeds to habit, uh, and then using that as a means to help you transform to help you transform so transformation over motivation may Allah want that help help us all inshallah i think people underestimate how um subhanallah the, the amount of happiness that comes from having accomplished a transformation right because in our situation there is uh, there isn't just one transformation there is the transformation to islam right which is the most obvious transformation but then there there are multiple transformations and evolutions that take place in our lives. And the Prophet said, When your good deeds make you happy and your bad deeds make you sad, you're a believer. That's a sign of, of goodness that you look back and you say, you know, I wanted to be here at this month and, you know, alhamdulillah, I made it. Um, so uh, to take a moment and actually say alhamdulillah for that because if you're grateful, I will increase you. So I think just a moment for everyone in the audience, you know, that, that's, that's watching, that's been engaging. Like if you, you know, look back, if you finished a certain amount of Quran at some point you didn't think you were going to be able to, or if you prayed uh, a certain amount of rak'ahs or you did something, you know, that, that was uh, that was heavy in the beginning of Ramadan, but you, you powered through it. Say alhamdulillah for that. Alhamdulillah for Allah enabling exactly. you to do, do that because as a result of that. 
anyone else like to chime yeah. in on that? One of the things that I, I really like that you said was not waiting for motivation in order to move forward with, you know, working on your good deeds. Sometimes we really create these barriers for ourselves. And I think people get into the mindset that I have to have motivation in order for me to do this, or I, I need to get rid of my anxiety or my depression in order for me to move forward with that. And, you know, part of behavior activation is just do it. Just even if you don't feel like you're motivated to do it, take that first step. And that will build momentum on its own. Because if you wait, there's so many missed opportunities for that to lead to that eventual transformation. Right, right. And there's just one thing that I want to mention too is subhanAllah is, uh, you know, Ibn Rajab, he made a beautiful, subhanAllah, he's probably, he made a beautiful point. He was talking about how, I can't remember the bait that he mentioned, but uh, it's basically saying that you thanking Allah for a ni'mah is a ni'mah. The fact that right. you thanked Allah, like when Sheikh Omar mentioned, you know, you recall the end of Ramadan, wow, I prayed with her the majority of the month, or wow, I read the Quran, or I was consistent with this. The fact that you thought that is a ni'mah. And when you remember the fact that you thanked Allah is another ni'mah. So it just continues on. You know, the fact that you remember you thanked Allah and you thank him for that, that's a ni'mah, that you're conscious to thank him. All that is a ni'mah. And then that leads to an action which increases your iman. And it's just a constant process. And that's the whole battle with shaitan, you know? And that's what's so beautiful that, you know, and he, he, he mentioned that. And I just want to say this last point. It's so important. And I think it needs to be talked about more. Is just as Sister Nudgel mentioned, you know, this is a huge opportunity for all of us. I think it's tied to the Quran. And he tayyibat that we watch what we eat. We really need to be conscious of what we eat. And it's, Ramadan is a huge opportunity because we fasted for 30 days and our body has been, you know, has been kind of transformed and detox, detox to, to a certain degree, depending on how we break our fast. But, you know, it's a huge opportunity to, to try to change and tweak a little aspect of our diet. And I'll just end by, please try to consume more greens and vegetables and a little more water, inshallah. I think I just really need to put that. I don't hear that talked about a lot, but we, we really need to work on our diet and what we eat, inshallah, and that will tr help transform us as well. We're not going to go into samosa hating again here, though. We're, we're, we're beyond that. Ramadan was a month of toba from hating on samosa. <laughs> no more samosa but, but point, obviously, just as Allah has showed us the possibilities with our physical cells, we're able to move forward in our spiritual cells as well, inshallah. So, anyone else want to say anything to that? Not samosa hating, but what the beautiful points that Shaykh Abdullah made. All right. Bismillah. I'll go, I'll go on to my point then, inshallah, because it speaks more to the um, keeping certain things out. Um, I said this in one of the Ibadur Rahman lectures, um, just that importance of taking back your consumption in terms of what you view, in terms of what you, what you engage with the faculties that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given you and keeping your demons locked out, um, keeping your shayateen locked away. There's a, a powerful statement and, you know, Shaykh Abdullah mentioned the Hafiz bin Nadir rahimahullah ta'ala. He has a quote from Ka'ab radiallahu anhu in the Ta'af al-Ma'arif where Ka'ab says that whoever says as Ramadan is ending that he will not disobey Allah 
حين يفطر once the day of Eid al-Fitr comes once Ramadan is done دخل الجنة then he will enter Jannah بغير مسألة ولا حساب without being asked without being punished uh, without any type of accountability Allah will give him the full reward so long as that person will هو يحدث نفسه I don't have the exact quote in front of me but a person tells themselves which is very powerful a person tells themselves يحدث نفسه I'm telling myself, I will not disobey Allah. I will not return to those sins. I will not go back to watching, you know, whatever I was watching, listening to what I was listening to, doing what I was doing. I will uh, try to manifest the goal of taqwa, which is taqwa ma'asi, mindfulness, and particularly mindfulness of God that leads me to abandon that which is displeasing to Him. I will not disobey Allah. Yuhadithu nafsa. And I'm going to do what I can to not bring those shayateen back into my life bring those sins back into my life, then that person will enter Jannah without being asked and without being punished. But he said, on the other hand, whoever tells themselves that as soon as Eid al-Fitr comes, that I will disobey Allah, the same way that I was before Ramadan, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will return that Ramadan to that person, mardud, rejected. May Allah protect us. Uh, so that, that statement, mardud, is, is, is a tough one, right? Because literally... Uh, it's like the package came right back to you. You presented the package to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the package came right back to you, delivered back to the sender. Why? Because you had already told yourself, I'm going right back to what I was doing before Ramadan, that I will continue to disobey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that I will continue to do these things. Now, the powerful thing in that statement is, that the person is telling themselves something. Um, that and, I, and I'm sure I'm, I'm sure Sister Najwa has some powerful insights on that concept since he wrote uh, the paper on waswas and obviously there's a lot to do with the psychology of this all. But this is a, not this is not the shaitan. This is you telling yourself I'm going to stop or I'm going to continue, and that doesn't mean that you will not inevitably fall back into some of the things that you'd said that you were going to stop, because there are going to be those times that we buckle under pressure that we fall back into the sins that we uh, said that we were going to abandon. I was able to quit this, but then I had, I, I had a moment of weakness after Ramadan where I fell right back into it. I don't have to turn that moment of falling right back into it into a return to that habit. I can say, no, wait, I'm not doing this again. No, you know, this doesn't feel right. It's, kind of, it's part of our, you know, similar to the physical consumption Spiritual consumption is the same way with our fitrah. That when you detox and you purify yourself for a long time, then when you put something that, that's not good for you back in your system, it feels off. And so spiritually speaking, as even spiritually detoxing, when you put something back in that doesn't feel right, that's not good for you, it's not going to resonate the same way. And you're going to have that moment of consciousness, like, wait a minute, do I really want to go back to this? Do I really want to make this a part of my life again? And you have to have that, that, at least that commitment, that initial commitment, that sincere initial commitment that, yeah, Allah, I'm, I'm done with it. I'm going to stop. Um, I was able to put it away for Ramadan. I can put it away going forward as well. While I'm not going to be able to maintain the same level of qiraat al-Qur'an and uh, dua and dhikr that I was in Ramadan. I'm not built that way. We're not built to be able to worship throughout the year the way we do in Ramadan. Ramadan is supposed to be an elevated sense of worship. But we are created in a way that we can abstain from the same things that are haram in Ramadan outside of Ramadan. We, we do have that capacity, and that's not an unreasonable ask to make of ourselves. You know what? Allah showed me my potential, not just in doing good and pushing myself to the next level with good. Allah really showed me my potential 
in staying away from that thing that I thought I could not live without. So thinking about this and being very intentional about not letting those bad habits back in, even if I'm going to brush up against them a few times, maybe I might, I might find myself in a weak moment uh, watching something, listening to something, doing something that I wouldn't have done in Ramadan. I say, this, this isn't how I want to proceed. So keep your shit locked away. Uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, sufilat al shayateen fi Ramadan, as we mentioned, shayateen are chained away in Ramadan and what the implications of that are and the reduced effect. But you have the power uh, over your shaytan, whether it's Ramadan or not, to limit the impact that they're going to have in your lives. We have that power because in the ibadi laysa lak alayhim sultan. They don't have power over us in Ramadan or outside of Ramadan, right? So we have the ability now to use that spiritual strength to push back, back the shaitan even further. You know what? Stay in those chains. Uh, I don't want you back. <laughs> I'm not going to let you back into my life uh, with this habit. So uh, my tip, my number one tip is uh, keep the shayateen in chains. Keep them in chains. Don't let them back into your life. Uh, be very sincere about your initial commitment. Um, overcome your initial slip up because it will, you know, initial slip ups might happen because you, you, you know, the, the atmosphere of Ramadan has gone and it's like, wait a minute. Uh, I, I don't want to go back to this. And I think, you know, I'm, I'm going to make sure that I'm, uh, you know, I think I can stay away from this. I'm going to make sure that I'm going to take the necessary steps to not let it become uh, a regular infraction. And then once again, I add that once again, a habit that I have to wait for the next Ramadan if it comes around uh, to get rid of. Not sure if anyone would like to comment or share anything on that. And then we'll go to Sister Najwa Anshal with the fifth tip. Yeah, this, this I, is a, no, go ahead. I was going to say, you know, there's there's two parts, right? There's the part that you have control over putting preventative measures from getting to wherever it is that you, you know, were trying to avoid. And then there is the, the second part is once you slip up, having the mindset that, it's okay. This doesn't define me. I, I have the ability to bounce back from it. And, you know, something that I hear oftentimes is people say, I don't have control over this behavior, but you do have control over it. And, and just reframing and telling yourself, it's not that you don't have control over it. It's, it's very difficult for you to get over it. And there's a huge difference between I have no control over this versus this is, this is a fitna for me. This is hard for me, but you know, with hard work, with perseverance, with that, inshallah, something that I can master over time. Would anyone else like to share this beautiful reflection? Sheikh Abdullah, you had something I know you're about to share. Yeah, just, uh, just uh, subhanAllah, I was reading, uh, you know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, uh, all mankind, uh, we hear this in the khutbah al-hajj and the opening sermon of a lot of Jumu'ahs, you know, fear Allah or have mindfulness of Allah as you should be mindful of him to the degree and do not die except in a state of submission to him alone. And then you find some scholars in tafsir, they'll say that that verse is abrogated with the verse of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saying, Ittaqullaha mistata'atum, fear Allah as much as you can. But then Tahir bin Ashruri makes a nice tawfiq, he brings them both together. He brings them both together and he says, what taqwa, he says, it's both all applied both together because a taqwa kullu insan maqdurun ala taqwa. He says that every individual has the raw material and wiring, if you will, 
with the fitrah to be, they're able to be mindful of Allah. Now, the degree is that to the, you know, to the level of as he should be feared, quote unquote. But then he even mentions that we will never be able, we will never be able to fear Allah totally as he should be feared. But it's again, as Sister Najwa mentioned, you know, it's, it's and as Sheikh Omar mentioned in his advice is, it's the effort that counts. It's the effort of you firstly realizing that you do have the raw material and elements to do what's requested of you. And as mashallah, she mentioned, you know, that it's a huge difference in saying that I can't versus saying that I can, but I just need to try and, you know, make the effort, inshallah. I just want to add one real quick thing, and this is something that really impacted me when I heard several years ago, is the concept of your sunnah acts, so something that is not obligatory, whether it's praying extra prayers before your 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 uh, obligatory prayers, reading extra, just doing extra fasting, that the, the, the sunnah acts of worship serve as a shield to your obligatory acts. And so the, the more you, you engage in sunnah acts, the more you sort of go out of your way to um, strengthen your obligatory acts, it serves as a shield and it, sh- it strengthens that shield. So when you do lapse those moments of weakness, what happens is that your shield is chipped away and not what's what the shield is protecting. So if, you know, if, if at moments you feel that, you know, you, you've engaged in a certain act, you've been trying and that, you know, sometimes you feel like you, you weren't able to make, meet your goals, you weren't able to uh, get exactly what you wanted to do, you kind of fell back, know that by doing extra, by punching yourself th- during your moments of strength, that, that those will, that those acts of sunnah, those extra acts will serve as that shield. So the first thing that would chip away in those moments of weakness are not the things that are obligatory, not the things that you're going to be held accountable in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but things that you went out of your way to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that those will, will protect the things that, that ultimately matter on the day of judgment. And so building your shield is something that I like to think about when I'm engaging in, in sunnah acts. Now, subhanAllah, that, that idea that the sunnah is a layer that guards your fara'id and the fara'id is a layer that guards your iman. You know, so mm-hmm. if you if you fall, and that's the hadith of the Prophet that that everything has a peak and then everything has a, a moment where it crashes or it runs its course. And he emphasized, that whoever has their fatra, their low point in accordance with my sunnah, and they will be guided. And if it's uh, in accordance with anything else, then they will uh, perish. And many of the ulama spoke about that in this way, that if in your low point, you're not engaging in major sins, and you are not uh, omitting your fara'it, then that's a good, that's a healthy low point. That You know what? In my low point, I'm not going to, you know, maybe I'll, my sunnah will, will suffer a bit, but my fara'it will stay intact. And I might fall here or there, like we all do inevitably with minor sins, but I'm not going to resort to major sins. That's a healthy fatwa. We've got to make sure that we emphasize both. <clears throat> Dr. Rafman, you want to share anything? Yeah, so Tasneem, you were mentioning this point about the shield, and I think that self-control is something we speak a lot about. But one of the keys, I think, to think about is try not to have to use your self-control as well. So after Ramadan, what are those things that you were struggling with? And try to remove them from your life. So, Sheikh Abdullah, you mentioned that eating healthier. Well, don't have your uh, pantry full of junk food. So, you don't have to exercise self-control. Get rid of it. 
If you're um, following people on social media you shouldn't be following, um, unfollow them. So just do the best that you can so that you don't have to exercise those self-control muscles. Wallahu alam. So you just told people to unfollow me on social media. Is that what I'm understanding? <laughs> I said bad people. Okay. <laughs> uh, so Sister Najwa, we're going we're gonna to go to you with the fifth tip, inshallah ta'ala. And then we'll, uh, we'll conclude with the discussion and talking a little bit more about our program next week. Okay. Bismillah. So um, I think my number one tip in terms of the post-Ramadan blues is to continue working on your relationship with Allah. Uh, and that's seeking, you know, nearness to him, that's thinking good of him and being grateful to him. And I think as we kind of touched on, naturally after Ramadan, we, we do miss Ramadan. We have that, um, that emotional low, also maybe like a, a social low, not being able to connect with other Muslimin on, on such a high and, and wonderful thing. Um, and it's really interesting. I was looking at research the other day, and there is research that suggests that during Ramadan, when people fast, uh, that their serotonin levels go up. And they measured this on the 14th uh, day and on the 29th day. Um, and serotonin is usually associated with those good vibes, with us feeling good. It's associated with a lot of things, but it's feeling good. So I wonder even after Ramadan, some, if that, some of that dip is not just that emotional feeling of, of letting go of Ramadan, but also like a physiological uh, dip as well. Allahu alam. But anyway, so how do we continue to connect uh, with Allah? Uh, for me, it's just that that reminder that no, that even with Ramadan passing, that Allah is always there, right? Um, that it doesn't matter the time of the year, although we feel, a lot of us feel closer to Him during Ramadan, that uh, He is readily available all the time. Uh, he's there in the last third of the night, just waiting for us, uh, waiting to answer our, our du'a. Um, he's... he's um, when, whenever we reach out to him, he always comes back to us with more. So for some, during Ramadan, there is that heightened sense of, like, I can connect to Allah more. But just that mindset is that, that, that we shouldn't have that black and white thinking, that it's not all or nothing, that I can continue to go to Allah. It might not be in the capacity that you were able to do in Ramadan, but working on that attachment and that love to him. I think when we think about attachment in the field of psychology, it's natural to look at attachment with parents or our children or, you know, our spouses. But when we look at attachment with Allah, how, much, how many of us are secure in our attachment with him, that we love him and we want to be around him, whether we're in Ramadan or not, or in the good times uh, or, or not. And so what are just practical ways that we can feel closer to him is remembering that he's close to us all the time. He's always there ready to, uh, hear our dot and to forgive us for our sins and accept our good deeds, inshallah. Um, another thing is also thinking well of Allah, too. You know, a lot of us, we tried our best to, um, you know, do all these good deeds and we ask for forgiveness. And I think when you think highly of someone, whether it's Allah or just someone else, you are more likely to want to do good because you are expecting good of them, right? If I go to someone and every time I go, I feel rejected. I'm not going to want to do those deeds. But thinking of Allah makes me want to, or thinking highly of Allah, we don't know with any certainty that our good deeds are going to be accepted. But thinking highly of Him, uh, of him will increase my motivation to want to do the, those good deeds, not just because I'm going to get the azure, but because I want that closeness. I want that, that love from Him. Um, and then also practicing gratefulness too. Uh, you know, it's, 
gratefulness is kind of two parts. When we are grateful to someone, uh, then we are reminding ourselves of those blessings that someone gave us. So it's a good reminder to us. But naturally, the other person reciprocates. When we do, uh, when we are appreciative, the other person gives us more. And we know that Allah is, surpasses any human capacity, that he gives us way more than we are able to give to him. If we go by a handstand, he comes by an arm's length. And so um, keeping that in mind, that, that having that appreciation is a way of feeling closer and, and building that secure uh, attachment uh, with Allah. So all of these things are, you know, things we can continue outside of Ramadan. Now, we can't necessarily do tahajjud every day, or, and we're not meant to fast every day. But, you know, reflecting on, like, what are one or two things that I did during Ramadan that made me feel closer to Allah, that maybe gave me the warm and fuzzies, or just, you know, opened my, my heart to Him, and then working on those things. And it, like, um, I think someone had mentioned that it varies from person to person. So for you, if it was reading Quran for five minutes after Fajr, if that made you feel closer to Allah, then, you know, work on that. Um, if it was volunteering at the masjid, that made you feel much closer to him, then continue to do that. It's those small, consistent deeds over time that are so, uh, so impactful. And then if you feel like it's a constant struggle, that you are carrying baggage um, in terms of your relationship with Allah, because Allah stays the same, and it, it's not that he ever goes away, it's us, right? It's we create those barriers, in terms of how we um, approach him and and beseech him. So if you do feel like there is baggage, we do have that trauma series from a while back that really looks at the cognitions that we have and how our past experiences affect some of the ways that we interact with the world and more importantly, how we look at Allah and our relationship with Allah and our attachment to him. Um, So if you feel like you are carrying that baggage that you know, something has shifted inside of me or for whatever reason that I feel like I can't connect to Allah, though that's a great series to go back and explore and see what are some of those cognitions that are contributing to that. Uh, but may Allah, you know, facilitate us being close to him during Ramadan and outside of Ramadan as well. And that really is, subhanAllah, such a valuable series, the trauma series, both what's written and what's recorded. So I know that a lot of people have not had a chance, especially some of our newer subscribers to YouTube, have not had a chance to scroll down the playlist. But uh, do go down and see that playlist and, and check it out on our website as well, the full trauma series, mashallah. As well, it's one reflection I have, which, uh, which, which I, I actually noted this in a, in a comparative religion class back in, uh, back in college. Uh, what, what's very unique about our religion in terms of its seasons, uh, the, the most blessed season being the season of Ramadan, is there is not a single ibadah that is specific to Ramadan. Uh, fasting is something we can do outside of Ramadan. Taraweeh is just another name for Qiyamul Layl in Ramadan. It is Qiyam. The, the word comes later. Qiraat al-Qur'an, recitation of the Qur'an, charity, volunteerism, dhikr, uh, the types of dhikr that we do, the types of remembrance that we do. Literally every single ibadah that we do in Ramadan is still accessible to us outside of Ramadan. And I think there's something beautifully profound, I mean, that's profoundly beautiful about that, that it's just... We are so uh, connected to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that even in the seasons that Allah gives us, we simply are using the mechanisms of connection that exist throughout the year and we are uh, using them to, to, to the fullest capacity that we can push ourselves. But they're all there and, and it's, it's, 
it's beautiful to think about Qiyamullah, you never know, you know, one of my mashayikh, he, he said it, obviously the meaning of it was different from the, the, the literal, the apparent meaning. He said that you never know when your Laylatul Qadr is and that, uh, you know, similar to when the Prophet said to that young boy, uh, or said to that man who asked, when is the day of judgment? And he said uh, that if that young boy lives to see old age, you would have already seen your sa'a, you would have already seen your hour. So he was speaking about it in that vein. Uh, or in in that in that in that uh, space that that look it's uh, you never know which night is going to be the night that you really turn to Allah and you have a moment where He is uh, always responsive to you and you are saying Astaghfirullah and you're brought to tears and you say Ya Allah I want to change my life that could be in the middle of any month right it could be at any any night of the year and that's the beauty of this Deen is that it gives us constant access to Allah in all of these moments. Oh, yeah. so, the thing I think about subhanAllah Najwa that you brought up that was so beautiful is that this Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the ultimate attachment figure. I mean, in this life, you know, we find attachments with our parents, sometimes with our spouses, sometimes with our children. We, we attach to different human beings, but all of those human beings will come and go. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he will remain. And this idea of that from attachment, like that Allah, that from that idea in psychology of a safe haven, that no matter what happens, you can always go back to that source of attachment. So that, فَفِرُّوا إِلَى اللَّهِ So run back to Allah. Anytime we feel discomfort, anxiety, stress, uh, confusion, that we can go back to Allah and He's always willing to, with, with open arms, accept us. Wallahu a'lam. SubhanAllah, dua wal-ibadah, right? Like dua is the uh, most important element of ibadah and it's also the most flexible and raw. Uh, just call upon Allah and keep that dua line open, obviously, as well, in that, in that uh, running back to Allah. Shaykh Abdullah or Snadu Tasneem, would you like to share anything? Finish off, Shaykh Abdullah. <laughs> Ladies first, no way I could do that. I, I refuse to think. <laughs> Um, no, I, I think that you guys really discussed and summed it up very well, but just this concept of um, really not doubting the power of even just small actions. And that's honestly, that hadith, I like, if there's any hadith in the world that I live by, it's that it's just so incredibly powerful. Um, and people always ask me, like, you know, how do you do multiple things at once? And like, you just, it's not that much. You just do something and you do it consistently. And the power of that is so incredibly enormous that, you know, I look back and think to myself, well, how, how did I manage so many things? And, you know, if you didn't, you didn't have, you know, the fact that the Prophet said this always just blows my mind that, I mean, he really like catered to every facet of our lives. Um, and the advice that he, he provides us is something that is, it cuts across, you know, this worldly life, spiritual life, whatever it is. It's just, it's just so holistic and universal. And these reminders just remind me of that in terms of when you talk about goal setting, talks about motivation, inspiration, commitment, scheduling, all this stuff. It's just it's inherent in our religion. And really, if that doesn't convince you of like how incredible Islam is, um, I'm, I'm not really sure what can. It's just everything is, is set. Laws, principles, everything are there just to make your life easier, make your life greater and better. Um, and so that's just a reminder that really connects everything to me together um, and, and pushes me to keep going forward. Yeah, mashallah. I, I knew you would do it, Tasneem. I knew you would do it. I knew she motivated me to just come, some, come, come up with something. I knew it. No, but um, just don't be, you know, when she was talking about, you know, the little deeds and how you look back, 
and you say, you know, wow, I did all of that. And, but while you're doing it, it's something that you enjoy. It's just a process, right? You know, and that's one thing that I always remind myself and, you know, is don't, don't belittle the baraka. Because sometimes what will happen is you get caught up, like we're mentioning all of these means or mechanisms that Allah uses to in- incorporate the baraka. Because the little that you do, and that's what baraka is, huwa kathir min amin qalil or min shayin qalil. It's a lot from a little. The little that you do, Allah will, he has the total authority to multiply it. And he mentions that in many, you know, in many hadith that's mentioned, praying in Salat al-Jama'ah, praying, you know, by yourself, you know, uh, reading the Quran, every letter that you read, it's totally up to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So just remember that all of what we're mentioning are means to an ultimate goal. And that goal is taqwa of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's, it's that mindfulness that pushes you to keep doing those actions. But know that salat is a means. Reading the Quran is a means. All of these are means to reach that 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 unseen rea- unseen connection, and that's what we term as spiritual, right? And that is something that we'll never be able to 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 quantify. We'll never be able to quantify that those blessings that Allah has given us, and that's why we should always remember when we do an action. You know, Allah gives us much more than we actually deserve, and that's just what the concept of barakah is. Let's not belittle that. And the little that we do, as she mentioned, mashallah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give you much more, you know, than, than you can imagine. And that's something that is a beautiful, beautiful thing. I love I love the definition of barakah. And, and subhanAllah, the hadith, uh, don't belittle any of your good deeds. You belittle your good deeds because you're only seeing the exterior of them. But what Allah is making of those good deeds, if they're done sincerely, is, is beyond our capacity and comprehension. So uh, before I'm, I'm going to ask Ustad uh, Tasneem to share one more thing with us, inshallah, from the expanded learning side about some of the things that are going to be available, inshallah, ta'ala, with this next coming month. But I've got the whole schedule in front of me, inshallah, and so should you, inshallah, ta'ala, uh, here posted as well. So starting this Monday, inshallah, ta'ala, uh, Dr. Uthman, Ustad Tasneem, and myself will be doing Quranic parables. We'll be going through some of the Amthad in the Quran. Tuesdays, we'll have Qur'anic miracles, inshallah, Ijaz al-Qur'an with Sheikh Muhammad al-Shinawi and Sheikh Suleyman Hani, who, by the way, we want to congratulate Sheikh Suleyman Hani, just finished his master's from Harvard, mashallah, after he already had his master's from uh, Jamal al-Dunia uh, already. May Allah bless him and uh, increase him in all that is good. Uh, Wednesdays, inshallah ta'ala, we'll have Qur'anic reflections, so Qur'an 30 for 30, running it back, inshallah, Sheikh Abdullah, myself, and a third guest every Wednesday, inshallah, we'll just be reflecting on a portion of the Qur'an. We'll be joined by one week, Dr. Tahir Wyatt, Dr. Tamar Gray, Mufti Abdurrahman Wahid, Sheikh Yasser Fahmi. Uh, Thursdays, we'll have Quranic themes hosted by Yaqeen Canada, inshallah ta'ala, with uh, Sheikh Ibrahim Hindi, Dr. Uh, Nazir Khan, uh, Sheikh Araj Anwar, and others, inshallah ta'ala. So expect, because it's Yaqeen Canada, expect a lot of apologizing, but also some beautiful insights, inshallah ta'ala, from our uh, brothers and sisters in Canada. And then Fridays, inshallah, finally, we will have verses on Quranic healing. Uh, so one week we'll have with us Sister Najwa, inshallah. Uh, one week Sister Sara Sultan. One week Dr. Rani Awad. And then one week Dr. Zuhair Abdurrahman, inshallah ta'ala. Um, so really looking forward to our month-long programming, inshallah ta'ala, of keeping connected with the Quran and keeping that nightly community. So this is going to be every weeknight at 8 p.m. Eastern, inshallah. 
but we have much more, inshallah ta'ala, from the expanded learning side and curriculum. So, Snabla Tasneem, if you could just talk about what people can expect from there, inshallah ta'ala. Yeah, alhamdulillah, the team is working on a, a lot of cool different projects. So, inshallah, in the coming weeks, we'll be releasing a conversation deck on the Qur'an. So, just a conversation starter, different questions, get you thinking about uh, how to really build your relationship with the Qur'an, to appreciate the miraculous nature of the Qur'an, um, to really think about how, you know, how the Qur'an was as it was, was revealed to the Prophet, peace be upon him, as it was revealed to the Arabs at the time, and sort of just the what it did, how it changed people, and how it changed hearts, and how we can relate to that, inshallah. So that'll be really exciting, an opportunity to get, you know, get, get together with friends six feet apart, um, and really talk about that and reflect on, um, hopefully, also snippets from Qur'an for 30 for 30 as well, uh, to get you thinking more about how you can build that relationship with the, with the Qur'an, inshallah. Our curriculum team also has just started, alhamdulillah. We had a long call today. Um, we're building a high school curriculum kit on uh, the ajaz of the Qur'an, so the miraculous nature of the Qur'an, um, talking about its authenticity, how we know it, how we can prove it, and how um, how really it's just an incredible miracle, the biggest miracle from the Prophet and how we can create activities around that to really relay that to a high school audience, which will eventually, inshallah, be... Uh, transformed into a classroom uh, lesson, which will be available online, taught by one of our own instructors. Uh, we also will have, you know, a discussion kit based on these papers. Uh, so, you know, if college students, young adults want to come together, read these papers on the Quran, uh, and really engage in, in deeper discussion and reflection questions to get into the meat of the content, inshallah. So plenty of different activities, different discussions, uh, different opportunities to read, engage, and inshallah grow intellectually and spiritually as we build that connection with the Qur'an. And to remind everyone, please do download Yaqeen Academy, the app. It's it's beautiful, alhamdulillah, and it's, it's um, constantly being updated to be able to incorporate more, inshallah ta'ala, and to really help people with their uh, self-paced learning, inshallah. So download Yaqeen Academy app. Make sure you subscribe to Yaqeen on YouTube and uh, on all of our social media accounts, inshallah ta'ala. And we will look forward to seeing you after the weekend, inshallah, on Monday night for our first episode of Quranic Parables with the night ta'ala at 8 p.m. Eastern. Zakmullah khairan to all of, uh, all of our panelists uh, t- today for joining us. Uh, again, uh, really appreciated and benefited from all of your insights and your tips. And inshallah ta'ala, uh, we're going to be seeing all of you throughout the month, inshallah ta'ala, of keeping connected with the Qur'an. So jazakumullah khayran to all of you. Subhanakullah, alhamdulillah, ashadu wa la ilaha, anta astaghfiruka atubu alaykum. As-salamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Alaykum as-salamu alaykum.